it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our UFC on ABC3 review. Brian Ortega versus Yaya Rodriguez. Uh, Tom Ballum. What a banging card. Yeah, good stuff, Joe. Good stuff. Uh, certainly delivered. I think it was the best it could have been, really. Couldn't have asked for more. Maybe Ex- one slight request might have been a bit more of that main event. What do you think? Oh, that main event was great until it ended. Uh, I felt like we were on the precipice of a potential classic. I don't know how you felt about it. I mean, there was even from the entrances where these two guys are coming out with their Mexican flags, Mexican music. And for some reason, the fight wasn't in California or Texas or anything like that. It's just like that was a strange decision. Yeah, what's going on there, Joe? I was, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I mean, that would draw so many, so many fans out. You can imagine the atmosphere, oh. where it doesn't, it didn't feel quite so organic being on Long Island, no. the home of no. the Hispanic community in America. No, no, it's not. I mean, it did, it did feel like for a moment with the music coming out that it was like I felt like I was watching like a CMLL show in like Arena Mexico, and then you do remember that like most of the crowd wasn't popping in the way that it could have done. And yeah, that could have been a great moment. Could you imagine if the crowd was like fully into that music? Yeah. The mariachi ma- band playing. Oh. Tacos for all. Yeah, stuff. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It would have been yeah. great. Uh, what, but, was it? So what happened there then was uh, Rodriguez emerged victorious over Ortega. So number three beats number two in the division. Yeah. Uh, for those who haven't caught it. Yeah. Uh, uh, just back to that, that walk-in though. Ortega, you know, he was born in the States, whereas Yair Rodriguez is fully 100% indisputably Mexican. I mm. kind of thought it was interesting that Ortega was kind of like, he kind of went toe-to-toe with him on the Mexicanness, you know? Yes. No, <laughs> there, wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't some cowboy American song that he blended in. There wasn't any double flag no. or any of that. No, yeah, he seems to have embraced this a lot more. Ortega's kind of an interesting guy in terms of what he's embraced culturally. Like before, I think it was before the zombie fight, you know, when he went into the Holloway one. And his fights before, he embraced his LA-ness, you know, like where he was in LA. T-City. T-City. And now he's embracing his Mexican heritage, which is cool. Like, I, I like that. I like that sort of flavor that comes with that. I like the guys who embrace their cultures. I mean, and it, he embraced... Quite, it. quite inspirational, Joe. Is that fair to say? I would you, say so. Or do you have it, some quotes of his listed? No. Why? Do you have something uh, salacious there? Uh, I mean, the guy's a machine. I feel like Ortega, we're going to get into the fight in a minute, listeners, but first we go into this full cultural context <laughs> for the fight. I mean, Ortega to me, all right, and we kind of referred to this a little bit in the preview. To me, when I listen to that man speak, I always feel like he's speaking for the camera. Oh, really? Yeah, like all the time. Like he's really conscious of like, yeah, this sounds good. You know, or are they going to lap this up? You know, even when he's like kissing his girlfriend or whatever. Did you see some of the like preview stuff? And it's him just like making out with my love on the beach. And he's just like one eyes like on the on the court, uh, like on the camera. It's like, I don't know. I just that that's the thing that I can't get over. But good. At least one of us buys into it, Joe. I'm glad he's got a fan in. Well, I I tend I tend to. 
you know miss most of like the social media stuff and that sort of things going out there i don't really try to pay too much attention to it but when i do hear ortega speak i i do sometimes think this isn't the real you like if the real you came out i think it would turn a lot more people off and it, i think i think also straight it, thugging yeah i think so and then also i think some people might embrace him more because of that like and i i would rather see would. the real yeah. him. can you yeah. imagine like how what that would sound like i mean yeah you you hear it occasionally i mean did you hear him when he was talking about fighting covington like moving up to welterweight to fight covington bro that wasn't the brian ortega we normally hear it was <laughs> it was like i'll see you on the street corner brian ortega it was it was a different man yeah. anyway let's get into the fight itself brian ortega then embraced his mexicanness in his fighting style of like i'll just take it on the chin pal and uh, keep walking forward um what we learned from this fight from what there was of it was that yaya rodriguez is better on the feet than brian ortega i think that's fair to say don't you think uh, Tom? I have no argument from me there joe uh that brian ortega cannot take people down uh continually we've seen that uh and when it did get on the ground yaya was able to somewhat defend it a little bit oh that's where i can jump in and contest it uh i don't think we saw enough there i mean ultimately no. the result is that yaya caused brian ortega to dislocate his shoulder vicious bottom game yeah he did yeah he did <laughs> like if 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 Ortega wasn't defending, so this happened when Ortega was kind of pulling his arm out of the trap, when Ortega was on, on, on top there at the end. Rodriguez had thrown up the legs. As Ortega reacted, his shoulder came out. I mean, that happened because of what Rodriguez did. He subbed him, Joe. He subbed him. He finished him. A technical sub, is that what you're going to give it? I think so. I think so. I mean, if um, if uh, uh, your boy Chito Vera... If mm. he finished Sean O'Malley and deserves credit for that, then Yaya Rodriguez 100% deserves credit for this finish here. No, fair enough. Within the context of this fight, I would say yes. I think outside of the fight, what we found out subsequently is that I think Brian Ortega is not going to have a long career. Did you hear that he's had surgery twice on that shoulder and it's popping yeah. out that easily? Yeah. I don't... I did, That's not... I mean, he doesn't fight much anyway. I think well, that's because he's in recovery, Joe. Because <laughs> he gets pasted every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even before that, though. I mean, he wasn't fighting a huge amount before he fought Holloway. Once a year, twice a year. Like it wasn't wasn't huge output from him. Um, and now this happens. I think it's. I don't know. I think it's. it's it doesn't spell for a long career does it i i think you're right there joe but then you know you just referenced the what was done after he fought holloway now rodriguez he had some uh scar tissue open up just from that light exchange they did have there on the feet uh mm. he had a noticeable scar coming into the fight or in that area of his cheekbone i think mm. this is the price you pay if you fight max holloway or volkanovsky you know all the, all these fellas will be having short careers if they stay in that division yeah, for sure. Well, I guess that's why maybe some guys are hoping that Max and Volk move up and move away from the title picture. Um, we'll get to the title picture in a moment. Let's just go back into the fight itself. I was, um, it was, it was simmering. It was simmering nicely, and I think Brian Ortega did the correct thing of trying to get that body lock to take him down. I'm surprised he didn't try and pull guard sooner. And I did make a note in my notes book of like. I w I'm surprised Ortega isn't going for leg entanglements and then he 
did start going to go for that, of like trying to attack those legs, going for those heel hooks, maybe going for a knee bar sort of submission. Um, but it was it was quite frustrating to watch Ortega at times there, like just hold on to his body lock and then not progress it on further. Well, Joe, of course, he just really does have this glaring flaw in his game or he's got this weakness on the feet. But he does have uh, carry a huge threat both off his back and, of course, if he can get top control on the mat. But to get into mm. those kind of situations, you have to be able to implement some sort of wrestling grappling game. You know, that is the yeah. other side to it. It's, some people refer to it as the mid game, you know, between the two stages of the fight. Uh, at least Ortega was closing Rodriguez off against the fence and not living mm. in much space to operate in. Um, so at least he did create some clinch exchanges. And then, of course, he's just got to get those scrambles going. Anything, leg entanglements, trips, you yeah. know, a- anything like that, catching the kick. Uh, I mean, and the result was eventually he did get uh, Rodriguez down. Unfortunately, that is what led to the end of the fight for Ortega. So it kind of backfired. But mm. I think I think that is the nature of the, of the man. You know, if your your way to get someone down is pulling guard or or that standing guillotine that he's kind of landed a few times, uh, R.I.P. Cub Swanson, then yeah. uh, then that, this, that's just the package. I don't think that wrestling game's going to come in. So the question yeah. I have, Joe, I mean, I know, I know you probably want to get into this fight a little bit more, but I, the thing that really screams out to me about this, we've had number two fight number three, and uh, Rodriguez now, he's moved up in the rankings. He's taken Ortega's spot. Do you want to see it again, Joe? Yeah, I do. I do really want to see this fight again. I don't. Too. No? No. Oh, you didn't feel that simmer? No, I did, Joe. I did. And these guys, if they stay in, if they do have any, a few more years in their careers, which I think they do, I th- hopefully, hopefully. That, that Definitely a year. Well, Definitely a year does, yeah. I mean, Brian should make two, three more years, Joe. You, you're saying he's done. I just don't know, man. Like, if your shoulder's popping out like that, I t- that's not enough force for it and it's like you've had surgery on it twice uh, it's, it's worrying that's a that's a very worrying trend i think so you're saying like well while he's got a couple of months left just get just get him in there just no man i think he needs to fully recover and then maybe work on a new approach for some things i don't know like maybe work towards just even having like one very strong takedown approach like even if it's just a single leg or something working towards maybe working off that body lock thing you know trying to get to sort of the back <sighs> exchange it's hard I, though with those yeah, guys yeah i, I think defend. he's i think he's drilling that every day in training but like you say it is it is hard I, you I don't, say that though I don't think you it say takes that mma expert to look at Ortega and say like look this guy's good on the mat all right how do we get the other guy there what are we going to do well he can't wrestle that effectively he doesn't have that base he doesn't really have that build of a wrestler either so what are you going to do yeah you're going to create those situations that we referred to but it isn't so easy like because at the same time in the training camp of rodriguez they're saying like look you keep the distance you if you can escape from clinches if you can avoid getting taken down then then you're going to beat brian ortega i i just i don't know how much further ortega can grow in that area i still don't understand why you don't want to see this fight go let me explain that to you right now go on i think this is a great fight to make Right. Yeah. I just don't think there's enough in this to to make it right now. Why hold up the division like that? You've got two versus three, and you've got killers, prospective killers, coming through. Yeah. All right. Now we. I, I feel like this division's. This happens when you have dominant champs, and especially if they've got a number two who's also mm. dusting off anyone else who comes through, like Max Holloway is. Yeah. Uh, 
then it's really hard to get any churn in the division. You know, new blood, new people getting on streaks. The thing is, we do have guys like that. We've got Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett, who have semi-claims. I think you would agree, Joe. If one mm. of those guys, I'm talking Arnold Allen, ranked number six right now, on a long streak, Josh Emmett, fresh off his win over uh, Calvin Cater, he's ranked four right now. If one mm. of those guys can go and beat Brian Ortega, beat Yair Rodriguez, it makes clear sense for them to fight for the belt. I actually think, depending on what Volkanovski does or how long he's going to be out for, he's got this hand surgery that he's going to go for, he's going to be three months, whatever else. I actually am not against an interim title shot. Well, Yair, Yair Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, interim title shot. That, that would be the fight to make. That is the word on the street, yeah. <sighs> now, the interesting thing there is if you were to make uh, Rodriguez versus Emmett, I think that's what makes sense. I sign sign off right on that right now, Dana. You can go ahead and make it. Don't have to worry about me anymore. Mm. Um, but the interesting thing that that creates is we did have another announcement here on this card talking about lightweight, which would is where Volkanovski would be going up to. Don't want to mm. break that news here to the fans right now, but uh, they've just made a matchup at lightweight for an interim belt. That means Volkanovski doesn't have a belt up there to fight for. So what, what's going on in these two divisions? I, I think, I, d- I mean, it depends on how long Volkanovski's out for, to be honest. Well, it's going to need to be how- a long time, Joe, because basically they've got matchups being made in both divisions. I, think, that, that could I honestly in. think four months is enough for me. I, I'm not against interim titles for the most part. Like sometimes it was there was an egregious period where they were doing them, and this is when they were selling the company, and they need to get Khan versus Derek Lewis. Well, that's an egregious one, but like I'm also not against it in the sense of like fighters get more money, they get pay per view points if you're an interim champion, and you know Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett, interim title shot or not, that's a bang it, that's a banging fight. Yeah, give it to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm in. I mean, uh, I think with the circumstances in the division. We all think Volkanovski's earned the right to go up. I'm not really thinking that one of these guys can present a, a, ch- a challenge to Volkanovski, but let's get a proper contender, number one contender fight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Rodriguez, Josh Emmett. And by the way, if that fight happens, Emmett is taking Rodriguez down to the ground over and over again. He's going to have that ability. If Max Holloway's taking you down, Emmett, who is a collegiate wrestler, will be able to do that. The problem is, Emmett just loves to swing. He bang. loves those hands, bro. <laughs> he loves those hands. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yes. Any game plan should involve taking your ear down because that man does have a diverse arsenal. Um, let me uh, let me throw out a Brian Ortega fight for you. Uh, Bryce Mitchell. Ooh. Battle of the kind of the nogis, the jiu-jitsu specialists. I, was, I mean, a lot of people would say, oh, maybe a Ryan Hall fight would be cool. Um, I don't know. But maybe Movsar Evloev, that might be an interesting one as well. I think Ortega, for me, needs to go down the rankings a bit if he's not going to be rematching Rodriguez uh, anytime soon. I mean, personally, I think if they're going to do this fight again, I would wait a while anyway. There's no rush here. You could do it again in Texas, California, where it should have been held. But hey-ho. All right, let's by the way, Arnold Allen, who doesn't fight enough, well, he's Calvin, Calvin Cater. We've just written him out of the written him out of the story again. Give him the Cater fight. Give him the Cater fight. Arnold Allen Cater. If he beats Cater, I think he's the number one contender then. Yeah, I mean, I'd have Cater going go, like being ranked lower than he is now. So I think the fact that he's still ahead of Allen, Allen, go and go and take that spot, man. For sure. Right. Let's uh, go through the rest of this fight night card, and we got to start with uh, this fight here. 
Matt Schnell versus Suma Derji. Um, Matt Schnell in round two. By the way, who did you give round one to? I believe I gave it to Suma Derji. I just have to flick through the old the old notes there. I gave it to Schnell. Did you? Yeah. It was with a question mark, but I gave it to Schnell. Okay. Pretty even um, round anyway. Yeah. Then we're going to round two. And Suma Derji lights Matt Schnell up. Bro, he was grabbing that hand, grabbing his wrist, and throwing these elbows, where Matt Schnell was, like, on pause. He was well, rocked after some of those. Yeah, we should just mention what brought about that scenario where Matt Schnell was having to kind of get the forearms up to guard himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's because he was getting lit up before that, Joe, before <laughs> yeah. those elbows came into place. That straight left from Sumadergi. Yes. A lot of range on it, and that was finding a home. I think Schnell was in kind of panic mode, and as you say, that caused him to kind of block as defensive as possible, get your arms up inside, behind, saving yeah. the face. We all want to save the face. Of but course. then the problem was, Sumadeji leans on that guard and slips those elbows around the slide. Brutal stuff. I thought Matt Schnell was done for, Joe. Yeah, and the ref even said fight back, and then Matt Schnell fought back. <laughs> brother let me tell you he first off uh hit like a beautiful uh right left combo like hooking combo uh sumadeji circles off and then he throws this big old right hand rocks sumadeji back to the fence sumadeji's like oh god i gotta get this guy off me throws a right hand schnell slips underneath him takes him down mounts him and then a flurry of shots elbows cuts open sumadeji daniel cormier going crazy on the commentary I'm going to cut that in right now for the listeners. I love that piece of commentary, by the way, Joe. It's incredible. Then, Sumadeji reverses him, takes away the mount, goes into Schnell's guard, and Schnell throws up a triangle, doesn't get in fully, it was on the wrong side. So then he adjusts it, pulls him underneath his left arm, Sumadeji's left arm with his right arm from underneath to then create a sort of 90 degree angle on the triangle choke pulls the head down as well getting this sort of double pressure down and that's all she goes so slow is this where would you rank this in the history of comebacks in the UFC I mean it was incredible it it really was it was so exciting Um, the funny thing is we're about to get into another fight that had me very excited uh, after this I sent you a quick audio message on that without specifying exactly what I was watching because I didn't know where you were at uh, with the card and uh, you came straight back to me like I know Schnell versus Mudeji so Mudeji was incredible and oh my lord it was I was off my feet um, the thing that was so amazing about this is that that right hand you mentioned from Schnell there, that was one of those right hands that just changed everything. Yes. <laughs> so the whole momentum, Sumadeji's facial expressions, the way he was coming forward suddenly, he, he, he wasn't all there and hell. Yeah. Did Schnell capitalise? It was, it was amazing, Joe. Yeah, it was one hell of a performance. Go I, and watch yeah, it right now, listeners, if you have And then just the image, by the way, of the ref get ending the fight. Sumadeji rolls over onto his back asleep, and Schnell is there lying down and giving it the "Give me those fifty Gs, baby!" Like it was like, oh my god, covered in Sumadeji's blood all over his chest. It was, oh my word, and I just—it was just absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. It was quite hilarious as well. ESPN tweeted out pictures of 
the triangle choke locking him and then Sumadeji asleep with Chanel doing the thing and underneath were replies from people who do not watch MMA mm. who were just like what is this filth this isn't a sport whatever and he's just like let me tell you brother not only this is, is the- this a sport <laughs> this is the sport this is the okay. peak right here that's it I mean, I thought it was hard when uh, when Schnelli had the full mount. Schnelli, Schnelli. <laughs> he's one of the boys now, Joe. I think he's, he's, oh, he's a big boy. By the way, uh, a chinny boy, but my word, what a boy! Yeah, he's there to be here. I think that we'll see more of that from that Schnell. Uh, I think he's got a hint of Cody Garbrandt to him as well. But anyway, let's—I don't want to curse yes. the boy. So. You know, when he had that full mount and he was raining down those elbows. I mean, I, I've got to say, you know, my father's there watching me watch that. I would have a hard time justifying what I'm seeing because it, it was a bit brutal there. Yeah. Uh, because at that point, you know, the, the, fight, I, I, the fight had I, gone I, out of Sumideji. Yeah, no, um, I, was, I was making noises during that, during that mount. Similar to Cormier, I must say. I think even... Uh, you know, my partner Kirsten ran into the room to see what She's was going on. She's heard those noises before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, Joe. Not not more, normally more crying involved. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, just to hit on the comeback thing though. Where does this rank in terms of the greatest comebacks in that we've seen? I mean, I think the number one is pretty clear. It's Anderson Silva over Chael Sonnen. Sonnen putting an absolute whooping on him, and it's in a title fight fifth round triangle choke out of nowhere it's yeah i mean the context is key ultimately yes. great though this was it was a fight night it was you know it wasn't on it wasn't the main event nobody's winning any belts here fly flyweight middle of the pack rankings I yeah mean, joe you take a take a straw poll of people in the arena who is where does sumadeji come from <laughs> yes Nobody knows. So exactly. I mean, that Anderson Silva, Chelsea, and that that throwing up that arm triangle from the from the bottom will live it in the memory for a long time. Fifth round, as you say, having been still, wrestled to death by Chael before. I still I still remember the feeling of watching that for the first time. It so, was just like yeah, incredible. The only other thing that comes off the top of my head is. Uh, the man who fought in this main event. He was losing to Korean Zombie. Oh. Good show. Yeah, he was losing over 25 minutes. He was getting beaten on the feet, and uh, there was about, what, five seconds left? Maybe less? No, it was really a second. On the bell? It was yeah. a second. So this yeah. is Yair Rodriguez beating Chan Sung Jung at featherweight. It was the main event, but it wasn't for a belt, with the craziest elbow. Like, unheard of, unseen elbow. I could tell not you, Korean Zombie, he did not. Well, Joe. Nobody saw that elbow. Yeah. We were all trying to figure out what happened. With yeah. I thought it was a terrorist that got into the arena. Um, yes, yeah. so I that's remember the only the, one that comes to mind. Uh, yeah, I remember the feeling of that zombie Rodriguez one as well, of like, Shocking. what just ha- what just happened? Shocking. It was incredible. Uh, this is kind of a bit more... So Anderson Silva's son is the number one, and then you've got like your second tier ones. I'm thinking that Rodriguez one, Czech Congo, Pat Barry... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where it's that, just like that can never happen these days. They, they no, no. <laughs> we know no. about CTE now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's more in that realm. I think it's Agreed. more in that realm of the yeah, but incredible nonetheless. Right. Uh, let's talk about well the fight that you mentioned uh, in that voice note to me. Uh, Shane Burgos defeats uh, Charles Jourdain by majority decision, twenty nine twenty eight on two judges' scorecards, twenty eight twenty eight on. The third one. I'm presuming for a 10-8 in the third round. 
for Jourdain, or are you no. going to tell me otherwise? No, what? Joe. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about this fight. Uh, what was that's it for? the crazy thing. So before before we say what the judges scored it, how did you score it, Joe? I scored it two rounds to one, Jourdain. Uh, ten nine for the two rounds he did win. Tempted by a ten eight for the third round, but couldn't go that way. Right. So this that matches my commentary exactly. Uh, yeah. No, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I remember I was watching this with my partner and you do tend to be swayed by those around you. Now, of course, Bo- Burgos, he had that control in the first round. But Jourdain was landing the volume on the feet. He was doing a great job uh, kind of kneeing up the center line of Burgos as Burgos was coming in, marching yep. him down like the Terminator Shane Burgos is. Um, yep. But Shurgos, uh, Burgos, eventually, he was able to to get the control and, you know, they spent that kind of exchange where... Um, your man Jordan, he was fighting off the rear naked choke. There was a lot of control time in that first of Burgos. That's why I gave it to him. I can see how you gave it to Jordan, though. Mm. Uh, one of the judges, Joe, it's round two where Burgos got nothing off but controlled him for four minutes yeah. from the back. That was the 10 8. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, Joe. I'm ser- no, that's really? The, that's how that fight played out. That's Hold on. Um, one this judge. second. The second round where, where Burgos landed four shots. That's the one. That's a 10-8 for one of the judges. Yeah. four. Sorry, four out of eight significant strikes. 28 strikes in general. What? Crazy. That is insane. And by the way, Jordan in the third round had more control time than Burgos in that round. He had like a minute 30, didn't he, of control time. So, well, I mean, Burgos there, he held that, uh, that back triangle, you know, locked his legs in. You gassed completely yes and uh jordan he came out and just poured it on him uh yeah. the standout event in this fight for me was jordan really announcing himself as the man to watch because yeah. i thought he i thought he was great and as i say for me it was i did give it to burgos but you, i mean if you're going to give any 10-8s here it's probably that third round where yeah jordan outlanded him i don't know if you have the stats in front of you there joe uh, I've got them here. Give me just two seconds. So yeah, Jordan. Uh, so here are the striking. Uh, the strikes for each round here. Burgos in round one. Uh, he landed uh, twelve of thirty-one. Jordan landed thirty-nine of fifty-nine. Round two, Burgos ran, landed twenty-eight of thirty-nine. Jordan seven of thirteen. Round three, Burgos landed twenty-seven of forty-six. Jordan a hundred and fifteen of a hundred and sixty-nine. He landed. Wow. Of which 84 was significant. Yeah, yeah. Huge round for Jordan. <sighs> and uh, could have been a 10-8. I had the same question here. Was it enough for a 10-8? And Burgos, credit to him for surviving. Because uh, yes. <laughs> that man was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, I've I, I got to say a bit of a lacklustre performance from Burgos, in, in my opinion. I'm not angry with him winning. I mean, he was I just, just outmatched I, on the feet. Jordan really brought that volume. He, was so, he looked so fast. I, I thought Burgos did pretty well, Joe, to come out with a win, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In, in yeah, the circumstances. I, I think even he said as such afterwards. He was so, Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. Burgos moving on, though. Um, what are we feeling like for him in the rankings? I mean, Jordan. I still think Jordan should get a ranked opponent in his next fight. I thought he was that good. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely one who's knocking on the door there. Uh, let's see who some easy marks at uh, at light. Oh no, we're at featherweight, of course. Yeah, Berg, it's hard to believe Burgos is a featherweight, Joe. 
That's it's madness, crazy. isn't it? That, is, that, that, that back is, is incredible. Yeah, that's a, not the back of the night. We'll get on no. to that later on. But huge, huge back on what about, um By the way, what about Jordan versus Barbosa? It sounds great. It sounds great. I want it. Burgos versus Chikadze? Burgos versus Evloev? Ooh. One of those two? Ooh, Chikadze versus Burgos. That's intriguing. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds good. That yes, sounds indeed. like I mean you could you can see that being the perfect bounce back fight for Chikadze as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in, Joe. Cool. Let's uh, let's go through. Well, I just the... I just want to. Jordan, he was a standout here. He really announced himself to me. I just want to drop you a couple of quotes because he's dropping a nice promo going into this fight mm. with his French Canadian accent. Yes. Now. You're not going to do the accent, are you? <laughs> not anymore. You've... No. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> why does Charles Jourdain love this sport? Oh, um, he loves hurting people? Because of the violence. <laughs> I thought that was a great quote. I love That's this hilarious. sport because of the violence. I have 15 minutes to destroy you. <laughs> this guy owns yep yep more of that more of that okay let's move on Joe uh, alright let's go through the rest of this main card or at least the stuff that stood out uh, the, le- the leech is back after being humbled by uh, Hamza he's back to defeat Muslim Salikov really nice finish to this um, Salikov by the way got tired very quickly after doing some of those spin kicks the first few were just like woof my word don't want to be near that and then the last one it was it was telegraphed quite a bit yes. leech though um lovely left uh, jab to the body followed up by um beautiful combo to finish it um a right cross to then uh, some uh, strikes on the ground to to finish him off the leech by the way i've got to got to read off this stat to you this was incredible to show um his work here the leech by target let me break down his targets 34 percent of the head 31 percent of the body 34 percent of the leg Beautiful breakdown there. He's throwing. Salikov's not sure where he's going to land because he distributed it nice and evenly and uh, subsequently then got the finish because of that work. Really well played by the leech. Absolutely. Uh, much was made of the you know the Kung Fu King, Salikov, mm. uh, coming into this fight. And uh, I believe Jack Slacky put up a one of his patented... Um, filthy, fa- filthy casual guides that's to Salikov. It. Tune into those guys. You'll find Jack Slack on on podcast there really great breakdown and he was highlighting uh the fainting work that salikov would do to to draw out the opponent so he could then land one of his strikes either the opponent comes in off that attempting to counter the jab that salikov never throws and then Mm. salikov can get some of his work off or if the opponent doesn't bite down that gives salikov the chance to spin and unleash one of those kicks now leech was having none of that he wasn't buying into that jab at all (laughs) and uh in the finish there, Joe, you can see Salakov kind of getting frustrated that he's not drawing the leech out, not drawing the leech out to be countered, throws the jab, which leech then uh, ducks under, slips the jab beautifully, and uh, as you say, a little, little dap to the stomach before a huge overhand. Um, good stuff from the leech. He's upset another streak. Ponzinibbio was the big scalp. Salakov's mm. another one. What do you do with the leech now, Joe? Uh, Jeff, hands of steel, Neil, perhaps? That sounds good to me. Yeah, it's in that kind of territory, isn't it? So we're I don't at- want him to face like a Chiesa. So, uh, keep him away from a wrestler. Let's, let's see. By the way, the Leech now, um, that's his eighth knockout TKO finish in the UFC. 
Yay. Second in welt second uh, all-time finishing uh, rate in the welterweight division behind Matt Brown, who is way out in, with 12. Um, well, he's also way out there in terms of fights, isn't he, Matt Brown? Of course. Well, yeah, which is madness to think, though, as well, that Leach is, what, four behind him with half the number of fights. Absolutely, absolutely. He's always delivered. Uh, he's always, he's always been a good good test. And uh, a few people now they've been caught out by those by those hands, Joe. He certainly hits yeah. hard. I mean, um, I I underestimated him when it came to the Ponzinibbio fight because Ponzinibbio is a, a big boy for us. We love a bit of Pons, and uh, well, it proved us wrong. Well, Joe, I picked Salakov. I picked Ponzinibbio, and Leach has oh, ups- upset the apple apple cart. So yeah, someone like Jeff Neal or perhaps Michelle Pereira. You know. Anyway, let's move on. Tom, uh, let's talk about something that you're very passionate about. Uh, Ricky Simone's back. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about this beautiful muscle dwarf of a man. I mean, Joe, like we've already waxed lyrical on this card, but truly the main event for me here was uh, that man and his back, uh, and he put it to tremendous use in defeating Jack Shaw. Mm. Jack Shaw, a very developed striker, hot prospect, undefeated in the UFC, and then he runs into the the cube, the square. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Truly a sight to behold. I've I've commented on it before. It was a little bit diminished for me here because Ricky Simone, he's changed his hairstyle. I missed missed that mohawk. You pair that mohawk with with a back, and I'm thinking, like, you know, settlers arrive in America. Yeah. And and blood and carnage. Bro, I mean, Ricky Simone, um, I mean, I thought the first round itself I thought was very close. I, in fact, I leaned towards Jack Shaw winning that round due to the takedown defense and then uh, work on the feet I thought was a lot better than Simone. But Simone, bro, that one-two is so heavy. He absolutely hammered Jack Shaw every time he threw that. And fair play to Shaw for taking it. But then when he wasn't able to take it anymore, it ended uh, quite quickly. Um, Simone here... Uh, Knock Shaw down. Oh, do you want to walk through the ending uh, of this fight for me? Yeah, Joe, you have it there. That's right. Uh, so eventually that forward pressure from um, Ricky Simone started to tell. And, you know, coming out in the second round, um, Shaw was trying to mount a bit more forward offense of his own to try to get uh, Simone off him. Mm. But unfortunately, those shots, they started getting through. Uh, Simone was rock uh, Shaw. Mm. ended up in the full mount and um, then in sure trying to get out from the bottom he gave up a bit of a, mm. a choke opportunity and um, yeah I mean Ricky Simone capitalized yeah on. it was a sort of like right right sort of uh, straight right hand wasn't it at the end of that hitting on him but he when he landed it he didn't have the full extension of the arm it was like a 90 degree angle so he was able to sort of like punch through like he didn't catch him at the end of the shot it was like sort of midway through the shot he landed on him um and then he sort of that head and arm choke he really muscled that in like really forced that onto uh, Shaw Jack Shaw by the way in the lead up to the fight said that he wasn't that bothered about maintaining a perfect record in MMA because obviously those things are <laughs> nearly impossible to have uh, mm. I mean even I mean John Jones does have a perfect record in the cage really uh, Khabib has one and that's about it really Um you know, it's a part of this this game, particularly for a fighter who is as young as Shaw, who will come back uh, into the rankings uh, or move up the rankings again at a later date. But Ricky Simone, um, he called for the O'Malley fight. Are you having that? 
I think he's earned the right to call out what he wants now, Ricky Simone. I think that's where he's at. I mean, this man is now mm. riding since the upset, pretty big upset uh, against Uriah Faber, where where the shortcomings of having such a huge back and being so <laughs> squat really came to light in mm. that he was just right on the center line and, and uh, there to be hit. Faber exploited that. Since then, Simone's been crushing people. Mm. Crushing. Yeah. Crushing fools. Um and Jack Shaw is a major scalp. You know, people were talking about this guy going up to fight the at the top. So Simone now, you know, that's Jack Shaw knocking out a Sun Sao, oh, uh, beating Brian Kelleher. Before that, it was Gaetano Pirello. So he's he's got to be, you know, following also on from a win against Ray Borg before he was unfortunately cut from the UFC. He's got to be looking up the division. Mm. Um so right now we have Sean O'Malley at 13th. Ricky Simone, he's gone up to 11 Oh, the back of this fight. Yeah, good, correct. We we said this in the preview episode. Whoever wins this must go above O'Malley. 100%. That's it, Joe. So good to see Dana still tuning in. Um, mm. I was wondering where those downloads came from for our last episode. <laughs> Obviously, the whole team's getting involved now. I mean, Ricky Simone's got to look at the top 10, hasn't he, Joe? Yeah. Ricky Simone has to be moving up there. But... I feel like for him, a win over O'Malley would probably be more significant. I mean, if we're thinking logically, he should face the winner maybe or the loser of Vera versus Cruz, potentially. Maybe a Pedro Munoz. What do you think? You have to remember, Ricky Simone's got a win over Marab Devashvili. Does he? Oh, he does. He does. Oh, man. When you think about that, you kind of start to look at those losses to Rob Font and Uriah Faber as blips. I tell you what, Joe. Why, why don't we get give him the chance to get that one back over Rob Font? Good shout. Good, good shout. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I think how old is Simone as well? He's not. He's in his twenties, isn't he? Like this is a young guy. I mean, his back is as old as time. <laughs> the rest of his body's just twenty nine. He's, he's getting into his peak, getting up there into his sort of peak peak age. I- I mean, Joe, I, I think he's red hot right now. Yeah. But the thing is, who isn't red hot in bantamweight? Mm. My God. It yes, just doesn't really. stop. That division does not quit. I love it. What? One last thing. Dana, put these guys on the main card. Yes. How is this not the co-main? It's just nuts. Yeah. That is, now, that's you might have noticed, we didn't actually talk about the co-main event yet, Joe. Well, we'll get to uh, that in a bit. We're wading down here in the prelims because we want to give the guys the good shit. And this was some of the best shit. Yeah. We'll get to that uh, bad shit in a moment, but let's talk about the good <laughs> shit. Let's continue the good shit. Uh, Bill Algio versus, uh, versus Herbert Burns. Algio winning by knackering out Burns, who uh, just, I mean, apparently he, he's clearly injured going into the fight um, afterwards uh, when his brother Gilbert Burns was having to carry him out the cage like it was his wedding night. Uh, it was, um, I mean, what a performance from Algio. I, I, I Am I wrong in thinking that this was like, you know, a bit of a standout performance here, despite Burns completely folding? Algio is bubbling away. The thing is, the story of the fight, it is Herbert Burns. I think all the questions that come from this fight are really related to him. It's unfortunate for Bill Algio to get a win like that and us not talk about him. Mm. But do you remember Herbert Burns' last fight against Daniel Pineda? Is that the one where Pineda was, was he a flyweight coming up? Or, or Bantamweight coming up to face him at Featherweight and then Pineda just... Didn't he sub him? Or was it, or was it a uh, pound? Yeah, it, it was a... Um, oh, I'm just looking now at Pineda, what he did after that. What he did after that fight. 
Not a lot. Uh, it was a TKO from elbows in the second round. But what really happens there? Yes, is I remember that, this. But Burns uh, missed weight for the second fight in a row going mm. into that one, and 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 wilted big time, big right, time, right. gassed and wilted, and that's exactly what we saw again. Uh, I don't think this man's long for the sport, Joe. No. Off the back of that performance, when you put it in the context of missing weight twice and and the way in which he lost to Daniel Pineda, if this was a one-off against Bilalgio, you'd feel really sorry for him. I do feel sorry for him, and I feel sorry for him because he shouldn't really be in there. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, I, think there's a, I think there's a lot... A part of this is the fact that Gilbert Burns, who is obviously such a tremendous fighter, has said that my brother was the better jiu-jitsu fighter. He was the better guy at jiu-jitsu. Sure. And it's clear that he's got skills, but he's got no cardio. He's got no cardio to him. And it, clearly, I don't think he's got the mental side for it either. He's, he's not Gilbert Burns. Yeah. Uh, he does have the, the resume. He's, got, he's won gold medals uh, in jiu-jitsu in, in the Nogi Championships um, around the, the Americas. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not really there for him in, in the UFC. And, you know, to me, I was having major question marks about him going out for the second round. Mm. Now, look, Gilbert Burns, he told him to get out there, man up, toughen up, go and get it. How much do you want this, all of that? And it just meant that poor Herbert went and took even more punishment yeah. until it was mercifully called off. Yeah, correct me. I found that, I found that strange, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was an odd one, wasn't it? It was an odd finish. It was clear as well that he just didn't want to go back out there when the referee was like, "Are you okay?" Oh, he was I... done, Joe. He was so done. Yeah, he was so done. Like it, it was one of those where, like, I started off thinking, like, this this dude's a bum. You mm. know, he doesn't want it. Doesn't deserve to be there. And I was angry at Herbert Burns, and it turned into me being quite sympathetic. Like, yeah, that poor man shouldn't be fighting out no. there. This is not right. No. Yeah. No. Fair enough. So. Yeah, Good for Bill Algio, but I think Herbert Burns is yeah. retirement is the, the yeah, story. For sure, for sure. Right. Puna Soriano defeats uh Lungiambula. I'm sure I've got that right this time. Um What a finish. What a finish. By the way, hilarious by the way, Lungiambula's corner saying like, do not wrestle. Get up right now. You cannot do this for more than two minutes. Get up right now. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be wrestling because I'm too muscular. Yeah, he, the only competition for Ricky Simone in the, in the big backstakes on the, on the card. Lujambula, <laughs> he gets the billing. He was the main event on the prelims because of his build, which is <laughs> it's something to behold. God-like. It's incredible. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, yeah, he... Uh, he was having a good fight, Joe. He was kind yeah. of he was fighting within himself. His power was there to be seen. He was he was hurting Soriano. He was keeping the pace. He wasn't gassing. And then ba boom. Yeah, Soriano faints a big right, throws the left, knocks him down, and just pounds him out. Lovely stuff. I like a bit of Puna Soriano. I think he's uh, I think he's a good fighter. I enjoy yeah. enjoy watching him. A lot of fun. Good energy. Uh, I hope to see more of him. I, I'm a bit bummed that we, you know, you, you, I'm, I was rooting for um, Lunjambula. Lunjambula, yeah. I, I, you know, it's he has to pick up some wins, Joe. We want to see him fight, but you, yeah. you have to win sometimes. Yeah, to stay you don't have to win all the time. No, no. You can you can win two. You can lose one. That's not a big deal. Like this was a he won the first round for me. I, I, yeah, I, I had guess you, I had Lunjambula winning the first, and he was looking great all the way up until. Uh, 
until that huge shot came through and, and, and folded him. Yeah. And then brutal ground and pound to finish it off. There was no doubt after that big shot that um, Puna landed on the mat. So. Yeah. Should we talk Good about Should we talk about the finish of uh, Dustin uh, Jacoby versus Da Eunjung? Um, bit weird at first, I thought, and then on the replay, it was one of those where. You know, Jung does the praise the Lord and uh, gets one more, and the ref steps in, and the eyes were rolling back. It's just that he stood up straight after. So fast, Joe. He yeah. was up. He bounced straight back to his feet, and he was ready to go. Yeah, I I'm not so mad at that KO. You don't need to see everyone get pounded out, do you? Particularly on a prelim fight, for fuck's sake. Like, no, but it is awkward when the guy stands up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it was so fast that I was like, ah, yeah. yeah, it was borderline, borderline. Especially, you know, like it's not like this man has a track record of of, of getting punished or yeah. of uh, you know like like the ship sinking and not yeah. being gaps not being plugged. I think, you know, like Dao Jung's record coming in here is pretty strong. He's looking at those rankings and he's young yeah. and he's got momentum. He is, however, Korean. Yes. <laughs> Not American, yeah, and uh, I think there'll be a little bit more protest if it was a homegrown fight. Fair enough. Point. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Let's talk about the two women's fights on this card because I actually do think they're important for what they represent, which is that that shit that worked in twenty thirteen fourteen does not fucking fly now. Lauren Murphy defeats Misha Tate by unanimous decision, and it was unanimous. And then uh, Michelle Waterson gets subbed out by Amanda Lemos with a, a guillotine choke. I mean, Murph, um, sorry, Tate and Waterson were not in these fights at all, really. Tate looked awful, I thought. No head movement, janky fucking striking, just no good, in my opinion. And it was it was it, a slow, it was in slow motion. It was, it was it, both of these were retirement performances, in my opinion. Like really, really are retirement performances. It, it, felt, uh, it felt like tape tape felt like a throwback and it's not like a throwback in the way that like okay there are guys on the roster who are throwbacks we're talking about like robbie lawler matt brown but they do somewhat move with the times they do accept their positions in the rankings yeah they're not fucking fighting you know sean brady or Bilal muhammad in the welterweight rankings nor should they be they should be fighting unranked guys or guys who are in similar positions to them tape is just I mean, she's retired before, and she should have stayed retired. I don't know why she came back, what she hoped to prove. There's nothing to prove for her. No, I mean, this is one that she's surely going to regret. I mean, yeah. you're fighting, you know, you're not on a main event. You're not in a big card. It's not a huge, huge stakes matchup. You get dusted off by 38-year-old Lauren Murphy. At, at flyweight you're not able to impose any strength uh, by the way yeah get, to land. getting bullied by lauren murphy as well murphy was absolutely in control the whole fight i thought well like the only moments that tate had was kind of pressing her against the cage and uh you know just when she could neutralize the striking of murphy just for those brief moments tate she wasn't able to get anything off but at least she wasn't getting battered yeah i mean there was uh, no head movement either that she was just on a straight line I, the whole time. Joe, it was, it was this terrible. is uh women's mma you don't you don't want to see head movement, do you? Well, if you're Edmund Tarverdian, you if, the, if that head movement, head movement, no, no. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, Tom, hit me with a bit of trivia. What have you got for me? Well, Joe, we uh, are coming back 
for UFC London. We'll be back here on Thursday to break that card down. I'm putting my belt on the line, brother. Big respect to Joe. There's no obligation to do that. You are the champ. You can sit and wait out till a numbered event. But we think UFC London is just so good we have to come back and talk about it in detail yeah. we also thought maybe this pod would be a bit of a shorter one but then the subject of ricky simone's back came <laughs> up and here, here we are we almost had a meltdown over it that's how good that back is anyway tom well not not major trivia for you here joe it's just a few developments that we did have uh, on this card going along with the announcement well, we'll get into the announcement of uh, the belt to come up in, in lightweight later on in Abu Dhabi. Mm. But going along with that, the fighter of the year was announced, according to oh, the yes. FBs, ESPN. They gave it to Charles Oliveira, beating off competition from Volkanovski and Usman. And also uh, Kayla, Kayla Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Joe? <laughs> what, Kayla Harrison being nominated or Oliveira winning? <laughs> Oliveira winning. Oliveira, yeah, that's fine by me. That's fine by me. It's, I mean, I think Oliveira is the most exciting fighter in the UFC. He has the most exciting. Think about his last three fights. I mean, the Chandler fight was insane. Absolutely insane. The Poirier fight was not going his way until it then went his way and it was like an avalanche. And that happens against a guy who is the avalanche against everyone else. And then the Gaethje fight is one of the best one round fights you will ever see. Charles Oliveira has turned his career around to become the man in the UFC for me. This is, if it's like you can watch any fighter, you know, right now, who is it going to be? It'd be Charles Oliveira. That is just it for me. He is number one, most exciting guy in the UFC. And And also his story is just incredible. Love him. Number one, most exciting guy in the UFC? For me, yes. If it's like... Who's fight you? Who's fight you? You're gonna be most excited for when it comes to like a title fight or whatever. Usman, Oliveira, Volkanovski, um, Aljamain Sterling, you know, uh, Israel Adesanya. What's that? Ngannou. Oh, Ngannou. Ngannou. John Jones. Ngannou. Stipe. Oof. Ngana, I mean, there is a Ngana, certain something. Yeah, the thing is, I always think this about heavyweight. Doesn't matter what it is. Oh, I just remembered something as well. I want to circle back around to, but. A heavyweight title fight there's always just this air isn't there this is air of what's going to happen yeah. and i just remembered one thinking going back to the comeback thing one of the greatest comebacks if not the best comeback lesnar carwin <laughs> do you remember the energy before that fight yeah of like yeah. oh my god i'm about yeah. to watch two two goliaths <laughs> two gorillas going absolutely after it yeah man that and a great comeback because <laughs> lesnar took a beating for about five minutes and still somehow won i mean shane carwin had some power oh, joe bro. my god i love shame, shame he didn't stay in the ufc a bit more well that jds fight would probably put anyone off wouldn't it anyway Oliveira has now been booked against islam makachev for the lightweight title the vacant lightweight title although saying that ufc seems to be uh still treating Oliveira like the champ he will be getting pay-per-view points for this fight um this is the fight to make I mean, the case for Makachev seems to build and build and build, uh, even without well, fighting. I think it was, you know, we, we said we want the Dariush fight, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. that didn't happen, and now he's by default kind of fallen into fighting for the belt. I can't hate it. The man's on, what is it, a 10-fight yeah. streak now? Yeah, but it's, it's based, uh, his last win was a catchweight fight against Bobby Green. Yeah. It's not, come on. 
Come on. And no, it's, it's the true. one before it's that. Nice. One before that was Hooker. Yeah, they're at the. It, what's his biggest win? Hooker. Oof. No offense to Bobby Green. He was coming off a nice run. You know, he had this sort of inspirational moment. People bought into him. But come on. Come on. Anyway. Um. Well, should we talk about the the other lightweight fight that might be being booked for later this year? Well, just on that. Well, no, just on that, I mean, Volkanovski did come out and say that he wants the winner of that uh, Oliveira Makachev fight. So that, that does all seem kind of set now. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I don't think there's a clear contender at lightweight for Oliveira. So I'm happy for it to be Makachev. And then the winner of Makachev Oliveira's face Volkanovski is fine by me. But let's talk about the other lightweight, uh, lightweight fight that's been potentially booked. Benil Dariush was someone I wanted to talk about on this pod. Uh, anyway, because he had this weird place of like not being a top contender but not on the come up, he's got his fight potentially against Dustin Poirier. Wow, big fight for uh, for your man Benil. I'm surprised that Poirier wants that. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. A wrestle heavy dude, guy who can take shots, guy who can like absolutely uncork. He loves to swang, Joe. He loves swanging and banging. That's why we like a bit of Dariush on this pod. Well, well, this then opens up Gaethje now. Gaethje right. can face Fazeev or Gamrot. And there is no... I'm sorry, I'm not having anyone else. I am not having anyone else. If Gaethje <laughs> does not fight Gamrot or Fazeev, I'm not, even if it's McGregor, I'm not going to be happy about it. Right. That still leaves one, uh, one man there looking for a matchup. What do we do with Michael Chandler? He just McGregor. won the... <laughs> okay. No, okay. Great. I mean, he claimed also in the ESPN mid-year award for the best knockout so far uh, yeah weird weird non-award that isn't it like still got another six uh, months to go right and also we don't like talking about that knockout on this podcast for obvious reasons um right last bit of news that i want to just bring up frankie edgar has announced that he uh, intends to have his last fight um at ufc 281 at madison square garden and he has said it will be, take place at bantamweight and he will face Whoever the UFC puts in front of him, to which I say, Tom, are we going to be welcoming in the Sugar Show? Sean O'Malley versus Frankie Edgar, is that what the UFC is going to book? That sounds very Dana White, very UFC, doesn't it? Do you don't think they're going to give him the respectful send-off? Oh, by the way, another great comeback was Frankie versus Gray Maynard in the third one, wasn't it? Anyway, um... You don't think they're going to give I don't him... think the UFC gives many respectful send-offs, but Frankie's been a true servant of the UFC and of the sport itself. Um, I, what else would they do, Joe? I don't see them giving somebody with a smaller profile that kind of slot. Madison Square Garden in Frankie Edgar's retirement fight? Dominic Cruz was, was the other one I was thinking of, but he's got the Vera fight. Um, yeah, this is a big moment. This could be a big point for Henry some... Henry Cejudo coming back? I don't think he'd come back for Edgar, would he? He yeah. just needs one fight to remind everybody. Oof. I'm not against it, though, now that you said it. <laughs> right, Joe, let's uh, wrap it up there. We're going to be back on Thursday. Yes, we will. I will be back. We will be back. I will be defending my title for the over UFC London. So we'll be back on Thursday to preview that, and then we'll be back uh, probably the following Tuesday to uh, break down what happened on that card. I can't wait. That card is mega stacked and uh, we will be diving in head first into that card tom Ballum, got to say this 
thank you for joining me and uh, thank you uh, listeners for joining us Tom any uh, parting words get ready to lose your belt on Thursday Joe <laughs> <laughs> not a fucking chance listeners bye uh, bye. see you Thursday bye bye <laughs>